You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan here with Cody Owen, uh, my co-host. Uh, got a huge lineup coming next week. Carla from the Landscaping Accountant is going to be joining Cody and I talking about all things landscape and accounting. But this week, uh, kind of backed by popular demand, a lot of people were asking uh, over the last several months, Mike, would you mind going in and breaking down how you automated your service business um, and kind of the story behind that? And if I'm going to look at a business fully automated on service autopilot, what are the things I should be looking at to doing that? So whether you go out and utilize a certified advisor, you're building them yourself or working with all the experts over at the uh, Automation Pro Plus launch team over at Service Autopilot, which is also a great resource, um, as you're going in and kind of conceptualizing what does a service business look like fully automated, I'm going to kind of break it down um, how we actually did it in my company step by step. And what you're going to find in your business is you can't really automate the whole thing out the gate. There's certain areas that you want to look at, look at. and I'm going to kind of expose some of the biggest pain points in my business as we started to scale. Um, and there's basically, as we find traditionally in most service businesses, there's really three main hurdles or blocks uh, in your business of growth to that million mark and well beyond. And if you've been lucky enough to kind of blow past some of these hurdles or just kind of, as we say, grind through them, um, if you can automate these areas in your business, uh, it'll start pulling that time back and allow you to, as Michael Gerber says, work on the business and not in it. Or um, if you've got a long lost family and friends you haven't talked to in the last five years because you've been working 100 hours a week, well, uh, you may be able to make some reacquaintance of uh, actually seeing your wife or husband at uh, dinner for once in a while and uh, seeing them on the weekend. So I'm going to be kind of diving into that. Before we jump into it, Cody, though, um, just kind of touching base with you, what's going on, what's new, what's good uh, since last time we talked last week on the SA Weekly Talk Show with uh, Dylan Rothenberg. Um, well, I have disappeared into a world of virtual reality. My, uh, my VR headset arrived and that's kind of been what I've been doing for fun. I don't have anything exciting to report. All right. Well, you know, maybe the fun is inside the goggles. You never know. So yeah. I, I was, I, we were, they were pretty cool. We'll have to give a little show and tell later in the uh, show today, but, um, and if you're watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, you may want to tune into this one live. Uh, so you can see this apparatus that uh, Cody has is purchased off of Amazon or wherever he got that thing. But uh, be a little little teaser for later, but very, very cool uh, technology investment uh, by the young millennial here. So uh, as we pop this out here, I'm going to um, kind of flip it around here so we can probably get the best view of the uh, deck here. And what we're looking at here is... Um, Basically, uh, my my journey from beginning uh, my lawn care business uh, approximately about 25, 26 years ago um, and the story behind it. So the idea here is that um, the business that I actually started, um, if you haven't heard the story, I'm going to give you a quick two-minute rendition. But the business I started in high school through college um, basically had revolved around me as a single point of failure. And that business literally would have crumbled if I left for a day or two at a time or even a week at a time for vacation. I was constantly tied to this business. Um, and that business ended up causing a lot of uh, pain and suffering inside my uh, personal life, as I was kind of joking about with Cody here, um, literally working about 100 hours a week, seven days a week, um, just trying to keep this business going because everything that had to happen needed me to approve it or actually do it. So uh, once we kind of hit a point where that business actually caused a divorce, uh, we went out and found automation. So uh, right now we're looking probably closer to four to 5,000 hours that we personally have spent inside my business and simple growth automating uh, systems and processes on service autopilot. I went out and invested well over $150,000 finding the experts in automation. So was it text messaging, SMS? Was it email marketing? Was it upsells? Whatever that was, we went out and literally I flew around the whole United States over a five to six year span and actually Canada to understand um, how to make the best decisions in an automation and how to build them out um, as we hit each pain point. Um, also, if you haven't seen it, uh, author of Callahan's Corner uh, in Snow Magazine and Lawn and Skate Landscape Magazine. And obviously, uh, Simple Growth is a certified advisor with um service autopilot. But that's really not what today's about. Today is really going in and breaking down what a fully automated business looks like in service autopilot. So I'm going to just break down literally um, 
how we did it, how you can do it. Um, and this should hopefully clear up a lot of the questions that have been coming in, especially with a lot of people who um, have either bought Pro Plus in one of the specials and haven't fully implemented, or um, you've just upgraded to Pro Plus, or maybe you're a brand new Service Autopilot subscriber because there has been a massive influx of Service Autopilot users that have actually come in. So the first thing we want to look at is traditionally your sales process. And this is a flow chart of the sales process on a very high level. And I'm going to break down some of the tips and tricks to have this fully implemented. But uh, as we always kind of do at Simple Growth or even in the SA Weekly Talk Show, we really like to talk about workflow and standardization. We don't want to just talk about features and functions. We want to actually connect the dots because a lot of times in any software, especially Service Autopilot, you may have a lot of these dots in the system set up, but they're really not connected in an optimal workflow. So that leads for inefficiencies or confusion for your office staff or yourself. So the thing you really want to first do is go out and create an estimate request form. And that's going to be under the marketing tab in Service Autopilot. Now, we've got two different options. We've got a V2 option and we've got a V3 option. So what I'm going to recommend for best practice at this point, uh, V3 forms, in my opinion, are show ready. Now, when Jonathan Petoshnik, the co-founder of Service Autopilot, made a video uh, several months ago, he was talking about how they're continuing to evolve V3 and some of the things are building on top of each other. So some of the things may not be show ready, but they're there so they can found out foundationally build upon uh, the next features are going to be released when they make the next V3 release. So um, I highly recommend using the V3 uh, form for your estimate request. And there's several reasons why. And it, the main reason is going to be it's going in to do duplicate checking, and we can have some logic built into that uh, V3 form uh, based on different decisions and things they make in there. But uh, at a bare minimal, whether it's V2 or V3 form, you want that on your, uh, on your website. And what that's going to do is when the consumer enters their name in and selects what service they're interested in, it's going to automatically enter them into Service Autopilot with no double entry. And that's why I'm recommending a V3 because it's going to do some duplicate checking, Cody. Um, and that's going to make sure you have a clean database. Database hygiene is a lot of things we talk about here. Uh, in addition, uh, I'm going to recommend you going into a bot similar to Facebook Messenger and connecting that automated estimator bot or chat bot on your website and your social media platforms. And what we've done in my business um, is created a sync with Facebook Messenger and Service Autopilot. Nice. And we can now automatically enter those leads and clients through social media and your website automatically in the Service Autopilot and trigger all the things we're going to be talking about here. And then the other thing we did is we created a... Um, an office entry form. So I would call this kind of like your master form, Corey or, or Cody. And what this allows allows us to do, Cody, is go in and um, get all the right information in there. So when somebody calls, it creates a standardized intake. Um, so how do they hear about us? What services they interested in? So no matter who is working that office phone, we're getting the data inside the software the same way, um, in the same predictable fashion. And it's going to start triggering these automations. So the first thing right off the bat, Cody, is we're looking at uh, the, the website estimate request uh, with some logic built behind it, entering them in the SA, hopefully tying into Facebook Messenger and social to get them in SA and a standardized phone intake form. Um, obviously, I don't want to go through this whole thing and kind of preach, but any thoughts or comments before I kind of really dive into the, um, the meat of this? So looking at the lead capture section, the only thing that I don't, immediately understand how you're doing it in SA is that connection between Messenger and SA because we we talk a lot about how Service Autopilot doesn't have an API so it can be difficult to use other tools with Service Autopilot. How are you making that connection? Yeah, great question. So uh, we've got a simple growth uh, as a certified advisor has its own development team. I mean, it's a pretty deep bench. So what we've done is going in and wrote some custom code um, tying into the API of uh, Facebook Messenger and then being able to insert that code into Service Autopilot through a couple different methodologies. Um, okay. That's why we're also recommending that V3 form because that V3 form now is going to do duplicate checking based on certain criteria of basically, there's many combinations, but let's just say real basic first name, last name, and email. So if that combination comes up, wait, they're already in the system. Let's append the new information into the existing lead or client. Nice. Um, whole different conversation, but I'm happy, willing to have that conversation as well, uh, kind of how we built that out. But yeah, there, we definitely have created a one-way sync with duplicate checking from Messenger. Um, 
and messenger on your website into that into that uh, form and then into the into the system. So yeah, it's been pretty good. I mean, we've probably got well over 100 SA users uh, already using that process, and it, it's it's been very popular. Um, so the main thing here now is what we've got is we got somebody coming off your website or somebody coming from your office here, um, or even from Messenger. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to automatically fire off a thing called a lead letter. And the lead letter is the five or six main reasons why your business is different and why people want to work with you. So immediately we're going in and differentiating ourselves from our competitors. Now, what we can do, or if you're doing it yourself, is we can also tie into another product that is integrated with Service Autopilot called SendGym. And what SendGym can do is trigger off an automated uh, hard copy mailing in the mail uh, with this lead letter. And the envelope can look like it's hand addressed. So now uh, we're not only just sending the lead letter automatically in email, but we're sending something hard copy in the mail. So this would really be something uh, of importance if you're doing like a design build per se, because it's a higher, you know, 50, 60, $100,000 job. And you probably have to schedule one or two onsite estimates and proposals before you actually get them the estimate. So now they can physically grab something and hold it. And there's an emotional connection when they get that lead letter uh, in the physical mail. And that reinforces why you're different than your competitors. So before the estimate here, uh, we want to go out and do a thing called short-term nurturing. What this is all based on is life cycle marketing. So life cycle marketing was applicable eight or nine years ago when I started to automate my business. And now, uh, even eight or nine years later, it's still very applicable. Um, but what, the idea here is we want to take the logic from that V3 uh, website form and say, okay, if somebody's interested in weekly lawn mowing or weekly cleaning, we are going to educate them to the specific service they're interested in themselves. So uh, let's just use the example of lawn mowing. So if Mrs. Smith hit the website, she's automatically getting that lead letter via email. And before the estimate or in conjunction with the estimate, if you're closing those gateway services we talk about over the phone, she's going to get between one to three emails of short-term education. And it's literally no sales pitch. We are going to teach her how to do that lawn mowing as a professional uh, herself, how to sharpen the blades, maybe proper mowing height, proper irrigation to go with that service. And what that's done is created you as the expert. We're creating that higher perceived value so you can charge a higher price. In addition, what I really recommend is if you're building this yourself, go in to those short-term education education documents and overcome any sales or price objections up front. So we're going to shorten that sales cycle. Traditionally in my market in upstate New York for my lawn care company was, do I need to be home to have the service done? And are you going to close that fence gate behind you? Because a lot of people obviously are nervous if they get home, they're afraid the technician didn't close the fence gate, neither the dog or the kids are going to be running out of that fence gate and possibly running into traffic. So we're going to address the concerns before they're even brought up. So we shorten that cycle, that uh, sales cycle, and we create a higher perceived value as you as the expert to charge the most in your market. Um, yeah. And this is right up to the point of where we submit that estimate, Cody. Um, any thoughts or questions around that process up to this point? No, that is, that's awesome. Uh, what you were saying about like lifecycle marketing being relevant eight or nine years ago and still today, those principles don't change. The tools that we use to exercise them will definitely continue to change over time. But I mean, eight and nine years ago, sending, you know, email nurtures was still something that, yeah, those tools were still relevant then as well. So it'll, this knowledge will stay with you regardless of what tools you need to use in the future. Yeah, and very similar to, so we've got Marcus Sheridan, I believe is going to be the keynote speaker at SA Thrive this year, uh, yeah. the virtual summit. Well, Marcus uh, Sheridan owned a company called River Pools and Spas. Um, by no means am I comparing myself to Marcus, but what Marcus was doing um, outside of some of the SEO and videos was doing lifecycle marketing. That's something that he learned on a, another uh, CRM platform called HubSpot. Uh, we were doing this originally in Infusionsoft before Service Autopilot had automations. And some of the things I'm going to touch on later in this is why... Um, if you're going to automate using service autopilot, it's really important to keep your automations inside natively in pro plus and the major, major benefits of that. But, uh, Marcus Sheridan of the sales line was uh, out there doing this literally eight or nine years ago. I was doing, and he was doing pools and I was doing this in lawn care. Um, so I will tell you, no matter the industry, if it's a service business, this works. Um, and it, it's about education and very similar to Marcus's book. They ask you answer. Um, you're answering those questions or concerns before they arise and shortening that cycle and becoming the expert. So very, uh, very interesting uh, perspective when I saw Marcus speak first time at uh, one of the SA conferences. Um, so the next thing is we're looking at, Cody, is, is we're gonna submit that estimate. I know we always talk about it here, you know, it usually takes five or more follow-ups 
to land 80% of the sales. So 80% of the sales are, are made on five or more follow-ups on an estimate. So what you really need to do is create a, a sales pipeline so you can see where people are at. And we've chosen through a lot of research, 20 days. So we call just this process right here, 20 days to close. But what it does, as soon as that estimate is submitted, it goes out and follows up on each and every estimate um, via automated email, automated text, and phone calls. Yeah, believe it or not, phone calls. Uh, we're going to recommend you do that. Um, and they will come in as a form of a to-do, and in V3, once some updates kick in, it'll, it'll be in a form of a ticket. But what you want to do in that to-do is what we recommend, and what we've done is we literally have a script for the person in your office calling saying, hey, call Mrs. Smith. It's been three days since we dropped off that lawn mowing estimate. Here's what to say if she says the price is too high. Here's some call script to overcome that sales or price objection. And then the most important part, really, in my opinion, Cody, is at the bottom it says, if she becomes a client, do this in service autopilot. If she doesn't become a client, do this in service autopilot. She's like, you know what? I'm not sure if I'm going to hire you guys or not. I'm price shopping and it's the spring and I'm going to get a couple of quotes. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do this in service autopilot. So what we've done is created a predictable workflow for either your internal team or a virtual assistant. Uh, such as pink callers or call boss or some of the other certified advisors that are working with inside service autopilot. So you've, you've created a, um, a process there. I want to say what's up to Hobie Barrett. Uh, obviously yeah. Hobie, uh, a long time watcher there. He says ringless voicemail bomb. So absolutely Hobie. So that was, you, you stole my thunder. So if you don't want to make those phone calls, we also tie into that product called send Jim. And what a ringless voicemail bomb does is it literally hits the cell phone on record doesn't ring, but it looks like a missed call here. And it's a pre-recorded message. So you would have probably a different message at day one and day three. But in my instance, be like, hey, it's Mike from Callahan's Lawn Care. So sorry I missed you. I wanted to leave you this voicemail. It's been one day since we dropped off your estimate. If you have any questions, call our office back at this number or better yet, feel free to accept the online estimate. But we've created a personalized but automated phone call follow-up based on the timing of the uh, estimate and the service or the status of that estimate. So it's fully automated and the secret to success here. And I will tell you time and time again, a lot of people want to mess with the methodology and every time people want to tinker with it, um, the issue is it, it doesn't work unless um, you actually do that. So it looks like we may have lost Cody here. Uh, hopefully he'll be back here in a minute. Uh, but let me uh, swing over here to see if I can't grab him and get him back in. Um, and we'll see if Cody joins us again, but uh, going back into that. So the, the secret to the success is if you're building this yourself, you want to go in and alternate it via automated email, text, and phone calls. And if not a phone call, a ringless voicemail bomb tied into uh, the integration with Send Jim. It's those different mediums that are going to be successful. When people say they don't want to make phone calls or they don't want text messages, it really um, depletes the effectiveness of this 20 days to close process. So if you're building it yourself, highly recommend that that's where you go with it. Now, the next thing that we're looking at here is uh, an estimate process here. And it looks like Cody is back in action all right so perfect we got we got the kid back i, I um, nudged the cable in that happened so cody what you missed here is we're talking about the the process and the ability of uh 20 days to close the automated estimate file the secret is different communication channels uh, via text email and phone call or ringless voicemail bomb so now that we hopefully have won that estimate um right here we want to automatically trigger a welcome and wow sequence. And that welcome and wow sequence, just like Jonathan Batoshnik um, of the Lawn Care Millionaire talks about a lot of it. And something that I adopted early in the early years as well is requiring a credit card on file to have service. So the welcome and wow uh, sequence is an automated email that automatically triggers. No one in your office has to do anything, but it welcomes and acclimates the new customer to your uh, service business. And then it also uses a clearant PCI compliant credit card form where we capture that credit card form. So those uh, credit cards are secure, they're tokenized, and then clearant takes care of that. So um, those are the things I would recommend in the initial welcome and wow. Uh, and next thing we do is we drive in and build logic in the automation. So if you're building this in your service business, you want to have some logic in that automation because if the first person 
or the first time they sign up is a reoccurring, say weekly or biweekly mowing or cleaning, we want to follow up for 30, 60, and 90 days. So 90 days is the biggest area where people cancel. And what we've done is made a very personal looking email. So this is another kind of expert tip I'd like to share is automated emails are great, but they probably shouldn't look automated. So we want a plain text email. They're going to deliver better and make it personal. So the way we built this out um, in our process is it looks like it's a personal email coming from somebody in your office just checking in and touching base. And what you're gonna find is the consumer, if they're unhappy, is probably gonna write back and be like, hey, guys and girls are doing a great job uh, mowing the lawn, but occasionally not blowing off the back patio. Or in cleaning, hey, they're doing a great job cleaning the house, but they're not wiping down the tiles in the master bath. So we're capturing those little issues before they escalate to cancellation issues. But it would be kind of weird, Cody, like if you just signed up for one-time aeration and overseeding for the first time in my business in the fall, it's going to be goofy if I follow up three times. So what I recommend here is you build logic in that automation to follow up only once. If it's a one-time service or if it's a reoccurring service, you follow up the 30, 60, and 90. And this is going to be part of the benefit of automating, having your automations inside service autopilot through Pro Plus because it's going to be able to go in natively and jump into different statuses and features of the actual service and scheduling and billing, where if you used an outside platform, it would never do that. And that's one of the things you talked about, Cody's like, hey, how did you do that without an API? And an API allows two softwares to talk to each other, very similar to the QuickBooks sync. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't that in there, but you really don't need an API with Service Autopilot because the automations tie into all the native features that are already there. So it's, it's um, if you have an experience, it's something I think you really should because that's what allowed us to shift from our automa other, other automation platform and move it all in SA once they started having automations. And we had huge success, even more than we did in the earlier days because there wasn't multiple system chaos. Yeah. Mike, real quick, one of the, the themes that I'm seeing here is that we're, we're maintaining a very close relationship with these clients, but we're able to automate all of our side of that relationship while giving them every opportunity to raise their hand and tell us, hey, I have a problem. Hey, something's going on here that's not like up to my expectations that, that keeps you really close and feeling really uh, like small and mom and pop while having the customer service of a much larger company. Exactly. Um, and there's a couple things that I, I shall touch on that before I kind of get into the happy holidays and some of that long-term nurture is um, in this kind of welcome and wow process or kind of uh, extended nurture is uh, we built several automations that do just that, Cody. So I've got the pleasure of having one of the service autopilot users actually do the home cleaning at my house. Um, and Tina and her crew utilize a uh, automation that we call be there, been there, real tongue twister. But the automation basically says, hey, we're going to be at your house to either cut the grass or mow the lawn or do the pest control. And it's depending on the dispatch, when it happens, but traditionally we recommend 24 to 48 hours as a heads up. So I know I got to leave the key or do, do something for the cleaner so she can get in the house and clean the house. Cool thing is, I mean, and I'm working from the house today, so it's a little bit different, but normally I'm at the main office for simple growth. I'll get a text message that they just left the house within about five minutes. So now I know, okay, the house has been secured, it's locked, and I know the cleaning's done. Mm -hmm. So um, yes, and but a larger company um, would, would probably do that. You don't see that from smaller companies, but the power of automations now it gives you the ability to have those extra touches that you would never have as a smaller organization. Um, pretty much at no extra cost. It's once it's set up, it's kind of set it and forget it. Um, the other big one that I really like is uh, we call it NPS to social review. So um, this is something you can definitely build out yourself, but when you do it NPS to social review, um, you're probably gonna have two different ways to trigger it. At least that's the way we tackle this. So you can have it automated, you know, once a quarter, once a month, or you can manually just dispatch. But what it does is it literally goes in, um, it does an NPS score. So it's a one to 10 ranking and like, Hey, how, how happy are you? Or how likely are you to refer us to your friends and family? And that, pro uh, a, a promoter is going to be that nine or 10. So what it does is, Oh, you're nine or 10. What it does then is kicks you into another communication, uh, with email or text, depending on how you set it up to actually push them out to social review. So it's going to go to your Google, your Yelp, your Facebook review. Mm -hmm. If it's an eight or below, so a, de a neutral or detractor, it, it kicks it back to your office um, and allows them to know like, hey, you've got some people that may be at risk. You want to go out and actually try to get them up to a promoter. Um, and what we've done is actually 
created processes around that automation that actually reports out in their new report center. And you can visually see all the people grouped as promoters, neutrals, and detractors and all their comments and actually see a pie chart. So you have a visual representation of where is your customer stat um, right now based on the time of the season and the actual response. So these are things that we would never be able to do, um, especially till we hit scale. Uh, but now the power of automations, once it's set up, continues to do this and has that personal touch uh, that you're talking about, Cody. Absolutely. Uh, so the next thing is happy holidays. Sounds a little corny, but I will tell you, uh, people enjoy it. So what I suggest doing is going out, educate them around that holiday and just wish them a happy holiday. It's just a nice touch. Uh, newsletters, a lot of people balk at newsletters. Like, oh my gosh, like they're old school. We don't do it. I, take, I like to take the look as in a newsletter is more of a long-term nurture. It's education with a very soft upsell based on the time of season. So as we're going into the winter months, we may be talking about ornamental pruning in the lawn care industry. So the proper types of cutting, the timing, and how to do it and, and educate the consumer to do it. It's just a free give. But at the bottom, if you do that service, by the way, if you need some help, click here to, to request an or ask for some help. Very similar in home cleaning. Maybe we're going into the holiday season. We're talking about fridge cleanouts, stove cleanouts. What's the proper technique? What products do we use on the inside, the outside of the stove? Um, we're probably not using chemicals on the inside of the, um, the fridge. I mean, so we're talking about what best practice is. And then you can say, hey, by the way, if you need some help with those services, we're here. But the idea is a newsletter is just providing consistent education month in and month out of what, what should be going on in their month, their home or outside the, out the side of their home in the yard, uh, depending on your industry. So we educate what they should be doing in the month in advance with a soft upsell. Nice. Now, the, the next thing here is this was kind of a new thing that we, we figured out um, in automations in the last 12 to 24 months. Uh, but we figured out kind of like you said, Cody, we want to have a personal conversation with these people where they're at, but have it automated. So the conversation that we're having with someone who isn't a client, like a lead or a canceled client versus a customer is potentially a completely different conversation. So what we've done is segmented our pipeline of communication for leads and clients separately. And that allows us to send out special communication, promotion, or tips based on where they're at in the customer life cycle. Yeah. Very meaningful. Now, obviously, if we haven't won the estimate, we've lost the estimate. So our first take at this, which I think is still very applicable, um, and I'll tell you why I kind of lean more towards an upsell model now, but originally what we call these guys here is service automation. So very 100% um, lifecycle marketing. If you had a lawn mowing customer, they were either a lost estimate for lawn mowing, they were a canceled lawn mowing, or a client uh, of lawn mowing or someone who needed a renewal or reminder if you run year round for that service without contract renewal. And we were able to go in and talk specifically to the service, whether a lost, canceled, or needed renewal or a reminder that we we're coming back out after the slower uh, winter months that died down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Very applicable. Uh, but what we came up with is uh, the upsell model. And the upsell model literally kind of came out of Callahan's lawn care. When I uh, was acquired and Callahan's was bought out, we needed to have, I believe it was about an 80% uh, re-sign on rate, basically contractually to get the final payout for uh, the business being acquired. So what we did at Simple Growth is we kind of opened up the gates a little bit and said, okay, if they're in my database and I'm trying to renew my lawn mowing contracts, if they don't have lawn mowing as a service, they don't have an open estimate for lawn mowing, or on a waiting list, the upsell would go out and sweep through your whole entire database, not just your clients, and upsell that service. So mm -hmm. predominantly, there's about five or six uh, times a year you probably want to do this. You want to do about a month or so in advance of that season. So the big one that's kind of right now in the middle of is aeration and overseeing for holiday lights or potentially snow removal if you're in the Northeast. But what we're finding is when we did this with service autopilot clients, and you can see on the Facebook page um, in the users group, if you're a service autopilot member, is um, the, people are getting 70 or 80 estimate requests in two to three hours. Um, a lot of times people will actually call us if we help them with this and say, hey, stop the second or third communication because I'm booked for the whole entire fall. Like I can't, I'm at capacity. Um, but the idea here is, through a very soft upsell based on where they're at in the customer life cycle that allows us to have a very specific message. The biggest mistake you can see, and a lot of people who are just getting the automations, and it's a rookie mistake, and I made it myself, until we really adhere to life cycle marketing, is that um, you may shoot out a lawn mowing upsell or fertilization upsell to everybody in your database. 
including the people who have already signed up. So what that does is causes confusion, yeah. probably going to cause some, some issues for your office. Um, but now the, the, the blanket's been pulled back. The cover's been pulled back, Cody, because now they know it's automated. It's an email blast where the difference, in my opinion, between an automation and an email blast are significantly different. If an automation is built with logic and understanding of the customer life cycle with, with segmentation, that's where you're going to win. And, and some of these emails, um, and I'm going to show you one here in a minute, we wanted to make them look personal. Before I hop into that, Cody, any questions or, or thoughts up to that point? Mike, this is awesome. This is taking everything that we know is true about marketing, putting it into Service Autopilot, getting Service Autopilot to work for you to free up all of this time. I mean, most of these things, your office staff couldn't even do if you asked them to and gave them you know, as much time as they wanted. There's only so much time in the day. You can only do this for so many customers. Yeah, and, and, and I think I'm glad you hit on that here. Um, is the point of automations is not to replace people in your office. It is truly to take the monotonous and repetitive tasks that nobody likes doing or you don't have time for and allow the higher, you know, 20, 30, $100 an hour jobs to go to the actual people in your office. And if there is a manual task like a phone call, it puts accountability and creates predictability. Um, and that's, I'm glad you touched on that because that's the biggest concern. But what, if you looked at everything on this screen here, Cody, what I would say is if you're a company from about 750,000 to about a million is what I find or above, that process right there, uh, if you were to do it all manually in the peak season, we'll save about 35 to 40 hours a week of manual process in your office. Yeah. Um, so it, it really does. And everybody's stress level during busy season. Um, it's going to improve just the quality of being in the office because everybody's not going to be running around like a chicken with their head cut off. 100%. 100%. And the other thing, too, is um, I made a video about it on Callahan's Corner there where we answer a lot of Facebook questions live, you know, every day or every other day. Uh, but one of the questions submitted to Callahan's Corner was, you know, what size is the appropriate size to automate or be on Pro Plus? Um, and obviously, there's some gray area, but I, I would say, Working with well over, I mean, several thousand clients now um, through Service Autopilot and, and Simple Growth, uh, I, I see I see a benefit of where you're going, uh, probably around that two hundred fifty thousand mark and beyond. Uh, we used to think it was around a half a million, um, but what we you kind of see here is that level one, two, and three. We've kind of chunked out this part here. Uh, for a smaller business and then a little bit larger business goes up to the end of 20 days to close and then when you kind of get into that process then you open it up so we kind of basically call it level one two and three um, and when, if you're building it yourself that's where i mentioned the front of it you don't want to try to automate the whole business tackle the, the biggest pain points first and then sequentially build upon that yeah. um, so that's where i'm saying you know you don't have to be a million dollar half a million dollar business to benefit from this uh, just the ability to update credit cards and overdue invoices and things like that is a huge, huge um, thing that'll pay for itself. Um, and just like the AR accounts receivable, um, in the early days at Callahan's, they got out of control, but we automated a process that systematically followed up on those past due invoices. And when credit cards were about to expire or failed, um, it just started to buy that consistency back. Um, yeah. And to get into that, that personalized view of, you know, uh, it needs to look personal. It doesn't, it shouldn't look automated. This is literally right out of my email inbox um, before we even went over to Gmail. Uh, but this was out of 2016 and we had almost 500 people there. You can see on the screen that responded to this email. It wasn't even 500 people sent. It was 496 people actually responded to this email. And I call it the quick follow-up. We still do. Uh, but this is the email right here. And some people may have seen this, but I want to reinforce this. If you can't read it on the screen here, it's probably pretty small. What that email says is, says, hey, Stacy, just want to reach out, see if you have any questions regarding our estimate. If you want me to save you a spot on the list this season, just let me know. Have a great Saturday. And it's got my name underneath, Mike Callahan. You probably can't see it on there, but the M on Mike is lowercase. Now, everybody knows sometimes I fail to proofread some of my stuff going out if I'm in a hurry, but this was intentionally left with a lowercase m because I wanted to look like it was sent from my iPhone. And if you can see it on the screen there, it looks like it's sent from my iPhone. So this email goes out two days after every estimate, and it closes on average right now in lawn care and home cleaning with it a percent or two either way. 20% of all the sales uh, that you win are usually closed on this one email because it, it looks like you actually took the time at 6, 6.30 in the morning after two days of your estimate to follow up personally. 
Um, these things close. Lady wrote back, uh, I'll talk it over to my husband and get back to you ASAP. I love the business practice and all the info you provide up front. So Stacy loved the short-term nurture in the lead letter because we were different. Uh, just another copy of this here. Uh, lady wrote back, she says, um, we have a puppy and don't want anything toxic in our yard. So it allowed us to upsell our organic fertilizer. So Cody, when we built this, uh, this is the winner of 12 to maybe 15 different versions of this email. And it sounds so stupid right now saying, hey, make it look like a person actually send it. Don't plaster your logo and videos and pictures all over it. Because at this point in the customer life cycle, a person or an automated person is going to convert better than something that looks like an email broadcast. Very similar to going through your Facebook feed. We, we tune that out. An advertisement's an advertisement. Same thing when we're in an email. So this email uh, has been A-B split tested. And this was the winner by a landslide. So if you don't take anything away from this, if you're going to automate your business, or even if you're sending manual emails, make them look like they're sent from a person. Mm -hmm. They will interact and convert a lot better. Absolutely. All right. So I know we're almost near the top of the hour. So I want to go through this a little bit quickly, but we've tackled your sales process. Now in my business, we had all this work. We almost went out of business because we couldn't get enough employees uh, to do the work. And this was well before the labor crisis that we're all seeing right now. Um, so what I'm going to recommend is this can be done in service autopilot. And this is what we are doing in service autopilot. So the first thing we want to do is create a hosted landing page. That's going to be your V2 or V3 form and an office entry form if they come into the office. So what I'm going to recommend uh, is the way we tackle it is English and Spanish, not textbook Spanish, street Spanish. Uh, there was a huge shocker that the textbook Spanish uh, application didn't quite convert the way we thought it would. Uh, but once we put it in more of a street Spanish um, that flowed, People fill it out and it worked. But the idea is once you get them to fill out that application, we drop them in uh, to the or the, the entry point. We drop them into an online application, English or street Spanish. Make them jump through some virtual hoops, Cody. So a lot of times people are just filling these out to stay on unemployment. Let's at least have a couple processes here that make them walk through this. Um, but let's say Joe's our applicant. He gets through that. Now what to do or ticket pops up in service autopilot and says, hey, call Joe and set up an interview date and time. He's made it through the application process. So you'd enter that into, I would recommend what we call our employee master form. You plug in, start the application date and time. And the automation now is going to text message Joe the day before and the week before the interview, let him know where to show up, when to show up, and the ability to opt out of it. So if the guy's not going to show up, hopefully he gives us a courtesy because he's already met his unemployment threshold. So you're not having 10 estimates and only having one person show up maybe, which happens. Uh, especially nowadays. Other cool thing I would recommend doing in this, if you do it this way, is assign some homework to this guy or girl. Send them out to the DMV to get a driver's abstract. They got some skin in the game. So by the time they get to your office, um, we know they're at least interested. And I don't hope about you, Cody, but I, I, right before COVID, I, I had to spend some time at the DMV. If that individual is willing to sit in that DMV for 45 minutes to an hour, they're committed to getting a job. Um, yeah. Usually it costs four or five bucks, and we would just literally pay them when they showed up with that to reimburse them. Uh, what we're going to do here is create a standardized interviewing package, five or six main questions that you're asking every applicant. The automation, in my opinion, should prompt the interviewer to rank the applicant in A, B, and C fashion. This is built around stacking the virtual bench that we talk a lot about here in the SA ecosystem. So we're going to go out at least once a week and interview all the positions in the company, whether we need them or not, and the automation ranks them A, B, and C. And what we did in SA is we created a custom view or filter in uh, reporting that literally allows you to say, I want all my A applicants from the last, say, 20 days, and it gives you a glorified laboring or a labor pool to hire from that's qualified or basically a glorified hiring checklist. So now when you need that person, you've got them in your database before Normally, you'd have to go out and find the person when it's too late. So we've created that virtual bench. Yep. When you hire them, we're going to go out and automatically indoctrinate them. Your mission, vision, uh, values. Uh, Jason Cup, uh, really near and dear to the SA ecosystem, talks about culture a lot. So we need to indo indoctrinate them to that culture piece. Uh, we, we concentrated more on the mission, vision, values to get the alignment to not just a paycheck but a culture. And tax documents. I all know we all know too well too in the spring when things get crazy, we don't always get the documents filled out when we should. We just need to get them in the field trained up so we can get going. So we allow the automation to take care of what should happen uh, to happen each and every time. And when we built some uh, timing in this, so indoctrination tax documents goes up to three and final attempts. So one thing to keep in mind is when you're building your automations here, Cody, is you don't want to think about just the perfect path. But what happens if this guy or girl just after three attempts doesn't fill out their tax docs? I'm guessing they're not a good fit. If they won't take the time to actually get paid, then they're probably not a good fit. 
So what the automation does here is it says, hey, through a, a task or a ticket or a to-do says, hey, Joe didn't fill out his tax documents after the third and final attempt. At this point, I recommend firing Joe. Um, so the automation here is really built out, if you model it after this, to buy time back from you and your team to screen out the right applicants to only get them the, the interview. And then after you interview them here, we indoctrinate them and onboard them before we train them and test them again. And then the final part here is kind of my favorite. Um, we go out and actually we made about 36 videos of how to use Service Autopilot in the office with testing. So we created an online automated video training series to and basically onboard any new admins. So that took sometimes a 20 or 30, 40 day period to get someone up and running 100% on SA. Now we've standardized it to about a seven to 10 day learning curve and they're up and, and running on their own. And then that worked so well that we went out and actually took a tripod, a wireless mic for about a hundred bucks and a smartphone and made videos in the field, how to do every service we did. So instead of going out and buying an online generic um, process to train your field staff, we created a video training process inside our business. And what we found is that cut off at least a week to a week and a half of learning curve because we had them watch the videos before we ever put them in the field. Awesome. Uh, and, and that was huge. But if you're looking to create a turnkey business, it's almost like a franchise without the franchise fees. This is one of the things that allowed me to leave the business at 30 days a pop because every time we hired a new person, myself, the guy who ran the business had to be there the first two to three weeks to get this individual up and trained. Um, and then the final thing here is the employment contract and handbook. So these are things, once again, I mentioned Jason Cup, um, really, really good resource for these type of things. But the problem is even when you had them in place, things got crazy in the spring. Half the time you, you'd forget to get the person to sign it or actually go through it. So now the automation tracks what should happen and makes sure it happens when it happens. Now the business owner or manager doesn't have to babysit the process. So as we wrap it up here in the, the last few minutes here, Cody, uh, any thoughts, comments around this before I dive into the third final hurdle to get to that million mark and beyond when you're automating your business? Mike, I think you're, you're touching on one of the really important things about automations that I think people forget about is that automations act as guardrails for the processes in your business. You've set things up to work a certain way, but when things get crazy, that's when we start cutting corners and skipping things that we know are important, but we just, we don't have time to deal with it right now. Um, and having an automation that pushes all of these things that handles them for you, acts as those guardrails that keeps you within the bounds of what you said you were going to do. Correct. You know, you could, it's it's kind of like bumper bowling with the kids. I mean, it kind of keeps you in that lane. It keeps you focused. And if you start veering off, it, it, it takes care of it for you. So the final part really, Cody, is this was kind of my final journey to be an absentee owner. Um, I, I call it repetitive tasks. But what, traditionally what we do is we just take what's in the business owner's head. Um, and obviously, if you're in my head, that's probably a scary place. But what we do is we, we go in and delegate and automate. Um, and what we found inside Service Autopilot is there's actually seven core areas of business can be automated on Service Autopilot. Um, and they are sales, customer service, scheduling, billing, office manager, maintenance, and owner. And what I found is if we're not there telling people what to do every day, every week, every month, quarter, or even annually, it's not happening. Um, so now that you've got 20, 30 employees, that's great. You get sucked back as a full-time daycare. So, you know, you thought you got yourself out of the fire, but you really haven't. Now you're just literally fighting fires all day by telling people what to do. And if they don't do it, you got to follow behind them. So just an idea here of kind of some things you can do here. Um, if you're watching the recorded version, you want to zoom in, that's awesome. But these are like the 38 or 39 core things um, when people work with Simple Growth as a certified advisor that we just give them. These are like some of the big things um, that we recommend on a repetitive nature that you should be doing. Um, but a real quick example here is let's say you got a full-time sales guy. His name's Joe. And Joe's job is to go out and do all his estimates today and make his follow-up phone calls if you're not utilizing ringless voicemail bombs. So what happens is when Joe signs in, he gets a notification that these are all the things he needs to do. At 5 or 5.30, the automation will notify Joe if he doesn't have his job done via text or email, depending on how you set it up, you know, based on the severity of it. And then it can auto automatically notify the business manager or owner via text or email, depending on how important it is. Um, so what we do is we allow the automation to handle the delegation of repetitive tasks with a deadline and instructions. And if it doesn't happen, it notifies the person responsible and escalates a person to come in 
uh, physically to manage the process. So we're leveraging the power of service autopilot to do this. And a quick story is actually, Cody, when I was at GIE with you and Bear and a bunch of the service autopilot uh, team, um, when I had Callahan's that the, the gentleman that ran Callahan's had a repetitive task to do to winterize all the fertilizing tanks for uh, the Northeast. Cause after a certain point, things get cold and they freeze and the tanks would blow up. Uh, but he, inside that repetitive task, he had a grocery list or a shopping list of the things he needed materials. So how many gallons of RV fluid per tank, um, written instructions, how to do it, pilot's checklist and the manufacturer's video all embedded inside this. So everything he needed to know was inside that too. So now, the information in everything was relying on what was in the software, not as me out on the floor of GIE out in the middle of Kentucky. So my phone didn't ring because the guy knew what he needed to do. He knew how to do it. And he had a video and the pilot's checklist. And by the time I got onto that plane um, that Friday night, if it wasn't done, literally that was the day I would have got a text message saying, dude, you better get back and winterize the spray tanks. Um, yeah. But that's the power of automations and what we're looking at here and how we want to dive into that. Um, and I know we've been talking a lot about just automation. So I want to be conscious of the time here with your uh, top of the hour here, but in the last two to three minutes, Cody, I want to hit on some other things because I think a lot of people assume that it's the automation they need to buy, build themselves or help with the launch team or off the marketplace, some of the free ones, the paid ones, um, all that. But there is automations that are built inside service autopilot that are just part of the system. Um, so the automated part of invoicing on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, depending how you have the system set up, those invoices automatically generate for you. And if you have a QuickBooks sync online or desktop, it automatically syncs and creates those invoices in QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. um, so natively, Jonathan and John, um, the founders of Service Autopilot, had this vision um, of what a service business software should look like even before we actually had custom automations. Um, and then the last thing I want to hit on here is this is just a, a snippet out of my KPI demo. So it's key performance indicators. Um, and the thing that has been bothering me as of late, Cody, is a lot of people are talking in the Facebook groups right now, industry specific lawn care, a little bit in the cleaning industry, more lawn care right now, because we're thinking about renewing contracts for next year, mm -hmm. is that we should raise our prices by two or $3 a cut or as a percentage across the board. So I've got two sample clients here directly out of a job cost and report. Um, and if you're an SA in the report center, it looks like a little toaster icon. You can download this and bring it into Excel or, or Google sheets. But this lawn mowing was a $54 cut. And the actual revenue per man hour was $54 and 28 cents and $60 and 31 cents. So on average, we generated $57 and 30 cents per man hour. And this is literally from the mobiles or somebody printing them out and manually typing them in the SA. But this is, this is a real deal, Cody. This is this, these two jobs on average generated $57 and 30 cents. So if we're making 57, 30 and we're going in and saying, you know what, in 2021 or whatever time you're watching this video next year, we're going in and we need, we, we've met with an industry consultant and we know we need to charge $60 an hour. So we plug that in this sheet. What the sheet does is tells you your current price is 54. The new price has to go up $2.56 to the penny to 56.84. That's what you need to charge to hit your hourly goal. So we're only raising the prices on the accounts that um, require it. And we, we talked about it before, but when you, you go out and do this and you do a wholesale price update, you're raising the prices on your most profitable clients and you're forcing them to go out and shop you. Yep. And you're raising your prices on your most least profitable clients and they already know they're getting a deal. So they're staying with you. So in essence, what you've done is just taking your most profitable clients and alienating them. Um, the cool thing is like, if you plug this number and made it 50 and we're making 57, when the sheet updates, lo and behold, you don't have to change that price. So very mm -hmm. similar to Jack Welch only raising or getting rid of the bottom 10%. We can do this in service autopilot. So this is the manual approach, but here's something kind of cool, Cody. So this is a test account, but I've got all the services here um, in here. And what you see here is on average, this job needs over the, the course of the year needs to be raised by $10. All these are zeros. Um, obviously, it's fictitious data. Like this one here needs to be raised by $551 a day. No, but the idea here is you can build job costing reports and put in that variable of 50 or 60 bucks an hour and then automate it. Yep. So if you're in here 
Uh, I believe the limit right now is up to five reports, but if you kind of hover over this little guy here, I can send this once, I can send it weekly, monthly, and I can send it to anybody in my organization I want. So you can take the data from the report center and automate the reporting to the people that need to know what's going on, when they need to, when, you know, when it's going on and, and, and get that in there. So once again, these are reports, if you're busy in the spring, you're probably not going to have time or this is the last thing on your mind to actually go out and automate that being sent to your team. But now you can even send it to yourself. So if you're in the field still being an entrepreneur uh, on the truck, that's great. Like I love that. I loved my time on the truck. But man, would it have been cool, Cody, if I could have got that once a week or daily to know how did I actually do the day before to yeah. keep me, you know, keep me on point. So that's kind of all I got for you today, Cody. But uh, it just, you know, a lot of people have been asking about what does that service business look like, uh, fully automated. And in my opinion, that's it. Um, and some of the stuff is already automated in service autopilot without you doing anything, but they've given you such power between the report center and automations now to really go out and, and, and just dominate your competition. Absolutely. Uh, so. As always, great, great stuff, Mike. Uh, these systems, if you're able to implement them into a service business, will help you, like Mike said at the top of this, move from working in the business to working on the business. And that's where we want to end up. Yeah. And I'll just throw it out there too. As a certified advisor of Service Autopilot, uh, right now, we're not going to be doing it for much longer, but we are still offering a free audit of Service Autopilot. So if you want to hop on a call with myself, Dylan, or anybody else in the Simple Growth team for a half hour, no charge, just to help the ecosystem getting ready for the end of the season, going into next year. Um, if you want to drop us a call or just hop on our website and, and the website chat, simplegrowthsystems.com, we're going to give you a 30 minute free audit. Uh, there's no pitch, nothing like that. It's just literally, this is what we see. And based on your goals, these are the pain points I would hit first. And some of it may not even be automations. It may be pricing matrix, custom fields, lead sources, whatever that is. Um, but Dylan and I, who both have run pretty successful seven plus figure businesses amongst, you know, and the addition of the simple growth team, we built this audit you know, predominantly for service autopilot users just to be able to get the most out of the system. Um, and a lot of the things when people hop on there aren't even aware of this, people aren't aware the system does it. So we just show them where it is and hey, here's a video how to do it yourself. So trying to still pay it forward before things get crazy in our, our crazy sales season here coming up. So um, yeah. appreciate it, Cody, once again. SA Weekly Talk Show coming at you live, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central, every Friday. Going to have Carla from the Landscaping Accountant coming on next Friday, the 18th. Uh, we'll see you there. Once again, Cody, appreciate it. And uh, I believe there's still a short time left for SA Thrive, the virtual summit. Um Special uh, ticket, I believe it's a hundred dollars off. Prices go through, uh, I believe, the end of September. Um, okay. So if you have an email in your inbox that says otherwise, it's correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Make sure you, you grab those. I know they've been selling like hotcakes from what I heard from the SA team. Uh, myself, Martha Woodward, obviously Marcus Sheridan, the keynote of the Sales Lion, uh, amongst uh, a whole bunch of other experts from Service Autopilot, Clarence and other industry experts. So uh, yep. I think the full speaking list is just keeps evolving as it, it, it's been being released now. So yep. look forward to seeing you next Friday, Cody. Once again, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Mike. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.